You are listening to New Life The Fort. We believe your vision will be expanded and your heart enlarged. If you are blessed by this message, write to info at newlifethefort.com. 2016. We're already more than halfway. And time flies so fast. But if you remember, when God wants to uh, give a message or give a general plan to His body, He declares it through the local pastor. And if you remember, if you've been here uh, since January, you would know that 2016 is the year of expansion. Very good. And you know, that's the general plan of God to this church and to our lives individually. And every Sunday, He gives a message to our pastors and to our preachers for us to be able to walk in the divine plan of God for us. And that includes expansion. So the past couple of weeks, he sent us gifts for us to be blessed and to receive his message for us. Um, and the last three weeks, he sent us um, Pastor Isaac to teach us about the laws of the harvest. And two weeks ago, we've had uh, not really a guest, but you know, if you remember them, they're a wonderful, wonderful couple um, Pastor Giselle and Pastor Mylene, of course, who have taught us that God does three things to us regarding the seed. He sows seed to us, He sows seed through us, and He sows us, or in other words, He plants us. And then last week, He sent us Pastor Etienne for us to have a great expectation and for us to realize that God is able to accelerate the things that you're been believing for. So it's in my heart, God put in my heart to fly with that message and to run along those lines about having a great expectation. So are you guys ready? Amen. So let's start with Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. It says here, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So this one, this truth, this foundational truth, is guaranteed by God Himself. He will not guarantee a business. He will not, you know, market, stock markets rise and fall. And governments, they change. But this one will never change. So it benefits us for us to have a revelation of how powerful seed time and harvest is. Let's continue to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 7 in the New Living Translation. It says there, Remember this, so remember this doubt. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver, or for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You know, if you've been around church for probably more than eight years or so, because um, I could speak for, I'm speaking for myself, that it used to be that whenever I hear this message, I would feel like I'm getting condemned because I always felt like I'm not sowing enough. Because, of course, everyone wants a great harvest, right? But, you know, the flesh would condemn me every time I sow seed. feels like I'm not sowing enough. I'm not sowing enough. But you know what? Praise God for revelation. Because the revelation of this is just 
God wants you to sow what you have in your hand. And for you to expect a great harvest, it just means to say that whatever you sow to the kingdom, it will not be for naught. It will not, you will not miss out. God is not holding out on you. You don't lose out whenever you sow towards his kingdom. And it also reminds you that you have to decide in your heart how much to give. He's not someone who's forcing for you to give. He's a gentleman. And the revelation for me here is that, you know, concerning the kingdom of God, concerning the Christian life, it's very important that you do things with the right heart. It's very important that you connect with your heart. You know, um, we may be praising and worshiping. Someone might be out there um, worshiping, doing the right things. Or you could even be here. But if your heart is not connected, it's, it just becomes a religious activity. And God is not after religion. God is not pleased with religion. Because religion is all about do's and don'ts. Religion is all about doing the right things on the outside, but not on the inside. The Bible says in Isaiah 29 verse 13, it says, And so the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote or routine. God really wants for you to have a relationship with Him that is connected in the heart. It's not like something that is, you know, um, before there are forced marriages, wherein, you know, in, uh, in medieval times, people don't have any relationship with, with the princess or anything. They just get, get married because of politics. But God is not like that. He's after your heart. In fact, the essence of, a, of Christian, Christian living is all about your relationship with Jesus. It's you being connected with your heart. It's not something about you doing the right things. That will follow if you have the right heart. But you don't get the right heart because you do the right thing. You do the right thing because you have the right heart. Amen? God doesn't want servants. He wants sons and daughters. Amen? And your service will just overflow if your heart towards Him is right. Also, uh, from the scripture that we read a while ago, uh, we have to sow generously, right? But remember, sowing seeds is not just about money. Like two weeks ago, um, pastors have uh, showed us what it means to be multi-cropping. You know, like if you want to sow more than just mango seeds, you can sow other seeds also like a mango seed or you know, an apple seed. It's also the same way in the spirit. You can't just you can also sow other things other than money. You can sow your time, aside from your treasure, you can sow your talent and your touch. So let's multi crop. I remember um, this just reminds me of what happened to me ten years ago, the first time I attended New Life the Fort. This will just encourage you to sow whatever it is in your hand. It's very, very important. So whatever it is in your hand, you can sow it. Even if it's just a smile or a touch, never ever despise the small things. 
Because who knows, there might be someone among you who are here for the first time who's never attended church before, but somehow decided to go to church and see what it means, what, it's, what it means, what's going on in this church. The music is good. I'd like to see it. But that person felt welcome because he shook his hand. You know what? That happened to me 10 years ago. The first time I came to New Life to Fork, I remember the very first person who shook my hand. His brother, Robert. He was here uh, uh, the previous service, and that was really an appointed time with God. And I honored him because I remembered him because he was the first person who greeted me in this church. And, you know, by the grace of God, look where I am now. I'm in front of you. So it's just a testimony that you cannot despise what you have in your hand. I like the illustration of the mango seed. You can never tell what, how many mango fruits will come out from that mango seed. Because when you plant that mango seed, it will yield a mango tree. And from the mango tree will yield hundreds of mango fruits. And from the mango fruits, there are mango seeds. So in turn, you will get an orchard. So, you know, when we get to heaven, probably there will be people shaking your hand and say, hey, thank you for that encouraging word. Thank you for that handshake. Thank you for that smile. It blessed me. So only in eternity will we find out the measure of the seed that you sow. Amen? So we established that we can sow whatever we have in your hands. After that, it's time to expect. It's time to expect. Always have a great expectation. So what can we expect? You know, um, Pastor Etz mentioned last week, always have a great expectation. The thing about God, when you think you already have a great expectation, God will surprise you even more. He increases that. And then when you think that, you know, I've already, you know, this is really my wildest imagination already. He increases that even more. The Bible says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Amen? So, what can we expect? We read in 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 that he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly and he who sows generously will reap generously. And then let's read the next verse in uh, New King James. It says here, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So this is the scripture that you can stand on and you can expect as you sow your seed, that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Praise God that it's about God's ability. It's not about your ability. And to make all grace, thank God it's about grace. It's not about your, your works abound towards you. It's abounding. It's not limited. That you always, always, it's not some of the time or when you're good or when you're attending church. It says there, always having all sufficiency in all things. Sufficiency in all things. It does not just include spiritual things, although they're good, but you know, it's like uh, a saying in, in the Sari Sari store, credit is good, 
but we need cash. Right? So, the bills, the money that you need to pay your bills, it's included in the all things. The wisdom that you need to pass that exam, it's included in all things. The favor and the divine appointment for you to get that next job, it's included in the all things. So that you may have an abundance for every good work. This scripture is just overflowing with prosperity. This is what you call prosperity with a purpose. So, by the way, this is not... I, I know that uh, we've preached a lot and this uh, church is well taught that we're not about dead works and we're all about grace, about the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not dead works wherein you do things so that God can bless you. It's not something that, you know, if you obey, God will do this to you. It's not something that, oh, you have to do this so that God can bless you. This is a good work. Why? Because a good work is something that you step into in order for you to for you to walk out the things that God has purchased you from before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 in the amplified it says there for we are God's own handiwork his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus born anew that we do the, may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So, God doesn't want you to be living the bad life. He wants you to be living the good life. So, it's actually scriptural for to believe for you to have the good life. God doesn't say, He doesn't fall off His chair when you're believing for a, you know, your own house, your own car, your own business. No. God is the one who actually planted that seed in your heart to believe for more. Amen? So, but you know, sometimes the thing about the world is that they have this wrong conception about Christianity. That's why they find it um, unattractive. But the real Christian life is something that is really attractive because it's all about Jesus. I used to think that the Christian life was all about sacrifice. Um, you know, I have, to, I have to let go of the things so that um, God can bless me. It's all about, you know, my effort. But no. I actually found out that the life, it's true that you let go of your life for you to have God's life. But you know, God revealed to me, it's not, you cannot really call something a sacrifice if you're letting go of something that is ordinary in order for you to get something that's extraordinary, right? Like for example, let's say you have one peso in your hand. You let go of that in exchange for $1 million. Can you call that a sacrifice? No. How much more the life of Jesus Christ? You let go of your life. You know how your life is, with warts and all, with the flaws and defects, for you to get hold of the Zoe life, the God kind of life, Jesus life, 
So you really cannot call it a sacrifice, right? I would call it an investment, or not just an investment, but a great deal. I could let go of my life because, you know, in exchange, I'm going to get Jesus' life. Amen? And, you know, we've been talking about grace. Grace is always available for us. It's available for everyone, but it's not always received. You have to say yes to God. Just like salvation, Jesus Christ died for everyone, but people need to individually receive Him as Lord and Savior. It's the same way with God. It's the same way with the grace for good works. You have to say yes. Because the moment that you say yes, grace flows. But the moment you say no, you won't need grace. Because you're not going to need it anyway. You're not going to use it anyway. You need to apportion grace upon yourself and you portion it the moment you say yes. Amen? So, what you need to do is take your place and embrace the grace. So, the title of my message for tonight is Embrace the Grace. Say to your neighbor, Embrace the Grace. I understand that there are times that we find ourselves struggling to do what God asks us to do. Whether it's sowing, you know, time, talent, treasure, touch, or whatever the assignment or instruction from God that He has given you. We sometimes struggle because, you know, we look to ourselves all the time. A lot of times we look to ourselves. And when we look to ourselves, we see, you know, um, our defects, our flaws, our weaknesses. And a lot, all of the time, when God tells you to do something, you would need God's ability to do it. So that when God tells you to do something, and then you see yourself, you would think that you are disqualified. But we are not called to look to ourselves. We're called to look to Jesus, who is our qualification. So, sometimes we think that Lord, ikaw bayan, ikaw, because you know I can't do it. Exactly, you need him. That's why he wants you to look to him. Uh, I, I know of this person. Um, when God, when God through Pastor Mitch asked her to do the communion for the first time, you know, she would say she would say to Pastor Mitch, uh, Pastor Mitch. Think of the boldness uh, of that person when, he, when she's saying this to Pastor Mitch. Pastor Mitch, but ako, nananahimik lang ako. I'm just minding my own business. And I'm just, you know, uh, call someone else. But you know what? The moment she said yes, there's the anointing. And when she did the communion, it was wonderful. And I happen to know that person because I live with her. So, <laughs> so babe, naman ako, so it's okay. So it's really, I mean, whenever, even pastors, whenever pastors ask you to do something new, just say yes. Because the moment you say yes, you're already embracing the grace. But if you say no, there's no grace. Amen? I love the story of Gideon. How God used a seemingly insignificant person like him to defeat the armies of the Midianites. You know, we, if you know the story, um, Gideon and his 300 men, 
defeated the hundreds of thousands of Midianites. If you know the movie 300, that's from Hollywood. If you want a real action movie, read the Bible. Because Gideon and his 300 defeated the hundreds and thousands of Midianites. But 300 in the movie, they all died. Namatay silang lahat eh. But this one, because Gideon was with God, they conquered the Midianites. And let's start with Judges chapter 6, verse 2. This is for us to get settled and see the setting in, in Israel during that time. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. In other words, they made hiding places because they were afraid of the Midianites. Uh, next verse, so it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up and also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. So every time they sow, nanakawan sila. So they were in starvation mode. And let's go to verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And God, being the good God that He is, He sent forth a man. Let's go to verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, uh, that's Gideon, and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. If you read the verse before that, you will find out that actually Gideon during that time was hiding and threshing the wheat. So it's not really a picture of someone mighty. It's not a picture of someone who is a hero. Hollywood would portray a mighty hero as someone who would go before the Midianites and say, hey, try to steal my rice or my wheat and make my day, right? But actually, what Gideon was doing, he was hiding. And that's not a picture in our eyes of someone who is mighty. But God sees differently. He's sowing seeds in the life of Gideon. The Bible says the, the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Amen? In the eyes of the Lord, mid, um, Gideon was already a mighty hero. Let's continue verse 13. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever asked that question before? I did. I have. And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and then handed us over to the Midianites. So, you know, um, Gideon was thinking about all these things that, you know, God is not really with me or not for me because I'm experiencing these things. And you know what? God is not surprised. Who knows that you can actually be real with God? But you know, that is the reason why He's sending seeds right now. So maybe, just maybe, there's some of you right here right now, and I'm pretty sure there is. You may be thinking, how come I'm going through these things? And this is God's answer. He's sowing seeds in your life. And a lot of times I found out through Revelation that God actually talks to us all the time. We know that, right? But whenever you pray 
For example, you're believing for a better marriage. God will speak things to you in the form of a seed. And because it's a form of a seed, and it's different from your concept of His answer, sometimes we have the tendency to miss it. Like for example, you're believing um, for a better marriage, and God would you know, say, you know, attend New Life the Fourth every Sunday. Be more consistent in, in receiving the Word. And you think, um, that's, that's, that's not really what I need. And, and you know, but God knows that that's actually what you need. Like this tissue paper, this is what I need right now. <laughs> so, you know, and God has answered my prayer. Prayer, thank you, Lord. Anyway, so, like for example, um, you need more, you need a job. And God will actually bring utterances or stirrings in your heart to be a worker in the church. And you kind of think that uh, that's not really the answer to my prayer. Lord, help me find a job. And then God would just repeat his answer. Uh, be more consistent. Be a volunteer in the church. Until you finally found out that that's actually God speaking to you. And that's, a, that's his answer in the form of a seed. Amen. The thing that, about God is that everything, every seed that you sow towards Him, it comes back to you a hundredfold. And that's actually really the most practical thing that you could ever do in terms of investing. Like for example, um, like the same person that I mentioned a while ago about the first time doing the communion, the same faith that that person used to step out and say yes and do communion is actually the same faith that that person is going to use in the outside, like in, in terms of um, getting clients or finding a job or, getting, or starting a business because that same faith is connected to one God anyway. It's about Jesus Christ anyway. The only reason why you can have faith is because the one that you have faith on is faithful. Amen? So like, for example, you want, pastors told you, you know, be a, be a life group leader. And the same insight and wisdom that you use to bless your life group leader is actually the same insight and wisdom that you use, you know, in your family. Because it's one wisdom anyway. It all comes from him anyway. So there's no separate, there's no distinction. It's not like an anointing here and an anointing here. It's the same anointing because... There's only one God who supplies all your need, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's go to, back to the story. Um, we heard that uh, Gideon was saying, you know, uh, how come this happened to me? And verse 14 says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have, and rescue Israel from the Midianites I'm sending you. But Lord... Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So if you meditate on this verse, you will actually find out that during this time, Israel was the weakest among all its neighbors. That's why inaapi sila, diba? And the tribe of Manasseh was actually the weakest in the whole of Israel. That's why it's called the half-tribe of Manasseh. And you know, 
in the clan of the tribe of uh, the clan of Gideon was actually the weakest clan in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And the family of Gideon was the weakest in the whole clan of, of uh, Gideon. And who is the weakest in the family of Gideon? Gideon. In other words, Lataksha. He's the litter of the runt. But the Bible says, God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise and to put to shame the things that are mighty. So, his weakness actually became an opportunity for God to use him, which actually blessed me a lot because if God could use someone like Gideon, God could use me and God could use you. Oh, think about how far you're going to go with God the moment you say yes. But don't think that it's because of something that you could give to God. No, it's actually what He has offered to you already. What you can receive from His offering, His sacrifice 2,000 years ago. That is the basis of what we believe in. Amen? And you know, I, feel, I felt like, you know, while I was meditating this verse, Gideon was saying, although of course you can't read this in the Bible, but I believe this is what Gideon was feeling in his heart. It says, you know, um, Lord, not to be disrespectful, but aren't you paying attention? I'm the weakest. Can't you find someone else? And dami naman jani. Ako yung pinaka latak dito. Ako yung latak. But you know what God said? And this will really bless you. And if you, if God is telling you to do something, if God is called you to step out, this is His answer. This is His answer to you. In verse 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. That is actually the ending statement of everything. Kumbaga, the moment that God said that, tapos na ang boxing. You know, you and God, you're a majority. You and God, your enemies before you, they're gone, man. They don't stand a chance. The Bible says, in this all-out war between sin and grace, grace wins hands down. Sin doesn't stand a chance. Your enemies doesn't stand a chance because God is with you. Amen? The one who calls himself, I am, will be with you. Just like Moses and the other great heroes in the Bible, the deciding factor is that God is with them. It's the same way with you. It's the same way with me. Jesus is with us right now. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 16, Moses was asking God, How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? If for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on this earth. The only difference, you know, between you and the rest of the world is His presence. That's why the Bible calls you vessels of honor. You carry His presence, His aroma to all the rest of the world. And you know, sometimes you're the only Jesus 
that people will ever see. And that will be more than enough. Amen? Jesus is the only qualification you need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Remember in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we read this last week, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. It's like, sino sila? I mean, di naman nag-aral to. Look at their backgrounds. They, they don't qualify. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Ah, kaya pala. Because they had been with Jesus. And people will look at you and say, Who's this guy? Who's this girl? I mean, where did this, this person come from? How come this guy and this girl is able to do the things that he's doing? And then when you, they will realize it's because of the presence that you carry. Amen? It's the same way with us. We are in Him. You know the song that we were singing a while ago? This is our story. This is our song. You will realize that, you know, it's really not about you. It's really about Him. And your story will reflect His glory. Your story will reflect His goodness in your life. And that's not about your goodness, but about His goodness and your faith, His faithfulness. Amen? Now, just like any other seed, in order for our purpose to be released, we need to die to self and live for Christ. In John 12, 24, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. John 3, 30, He must decrease, but I must... He must increase, but I must decrease. We let go of our lives. It may be good, but we let take hold of what's best, and that is His life. Amen? Think about this. Gideon might just have said no, because God is a gentleman, and He's not going to force you. It's the same way with us. Gideon could have just said no and say, you know what? No, this is not for me. And you know, can you imagine where he would be if he had said no? Do you know the answer? I do. He'd just be stuck in the same place where God found him, hiding from his enemies. That's why in Esther chapter 4, verse 414, For if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, Gideon would have said no and God would have raised someone else to do his work, to do his will. And you know, it's like that with us sometimes. We think that whenever God asks us to do something, we think that we're actually doing God a favor. But actually, God is favoring us because He wants us to walk in the good things that He has prepared for us from before the foundation of the world. He wants us to know how to trust Him in order for 
us to have more of Him and less of us. Amen. Gideon needed proof of God's presence in his life. That's why he had all these um, fleeces and signs and everything. But you know what? There's only one proof that we need. And that's the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus was forsaken so that you will never ever be forsaken. So even though you don't go to your lowest valleys or your highest hills, know that God is always forever with you. So take your place and embrace the grace. You may be thinking, where is my place? Your place is where God has planted you to. In this church, keep on receiving the word. And in your place of assignment, whether it's, it's your job or your school, take your place. You may be saying, but it's not a good place. Well, that's why you're there. Keep on sowing good words. Keep on going, sowing good seeds. And God will either calm the storm for you or enable you to weather the storm. I love this in Second uh, Corinthians. No, let's go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. You remember Paul, right? Before he became Paul, he was Saul. In modern times, his modern equivalent is that he's a religious terrorist. He's a religious extremist. He would kill people because of their beliefs. It's the same way with Paul. Because he thought he was doing the right thing. And that background actually disqualified him from doing what he has, got, what he has been called to do. Imagine that. His background disqualifies him from doing what God has called him to do. But because of his encounter with Jesus Christ, his disqualification became his qualification. Let's read in fifth, verse 1 to 15. But when, it, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, Paul was called because of God's grace. And it's not because of his background. It's the same way with you. God is calling you because of His grace. To reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Paul realized that his calling was to reveal God's grace, which is Jesus Christ in him. If he went to the apostles, the apostles would have said, Nah, impossible. You killed one of us. You killed us, you know? That's why he said, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. You may be thinking, if you look at your flesh and you look at your background, this is not what God has called me to do. But you know what? Don't confer with flesh and blood. Confer with the Spirit of God. And God is saying that your calling is to reveal Jesus Christ in your life. How good He is to you. How faithful He is to you. And the miracles that He has done in your life. And you know what? There's more. That's why Paul said, I'd rather boast in my iniquities and infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That is the essence of your life, the Christian life, the essence of a believer. This is your story. It's about His goodness. And lastly, I close with this verse. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 29, And we know that all things work together for good 
to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. You may think that you had a bad, bad life. Wait till you encounter Jesus Christ Himself. Wait till you have a revelation of His finished work. So that bad thing in your life actually becomes a testimony of His faithfulness and goodness. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So it's not a question whether you are able or not. What is important is that He is able. And your part is to simply embrace it. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Did you get something today? Why don't you lift your hands and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for revealing to us the beauty of Jesus Christ. That is really not all about us or our abilities or what we can offer you, but what you have offered to us on the cross 2,000 years ago. So, Lord God, we simply embrace the grace. We embrace it because there's there's only one thing for us to do with your grace. Simply to embrace it. We cannot work hard for it, but we can simply embrace it. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord God. Our lives will never be the same again because our lives will reflect your glory and your goodness. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. So uh, continue closing your eyes and bow your heads. I'm just going to issue an invitation for people who have not yet received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Perhaps you've been going to church for quite some time or maybe not. Maybe this is your first time. This is your opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like what I mentioned a while ago, God is really not after religion or your service. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants to live with you and have a relationship with you. If that's you, quickly raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. I see that hand right there. Any more? Praise God. Maybe there are also other people in the fourth floor raising their hands. Congregation, join with me as we usher these new believers into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to die for us. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I open my heart to receive you. Right now, I am washed by your blood. Right now, I am a new creation in Christ. Right now, I have a relationship with you. So I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com. Thank you.